welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I am your host, Logar the Barbarian. And my guest today is Wife Marshall, the creator of Still Fleet. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. It's really great to be here. It's it's good to have you. Could I I don't think some of our listeners, maybe most of them, don't know what Still Fleet is. And I'd like to know, like, well, let them know at least. What is Still Fleet? <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, Still Fleet's new, so that's one reason you wouldn't know. But it's it's a science fiction uh, tabletop role playing game that we've been working on for a while. The team for three years or so, and I've been working on it for about ten years. Uh, kind of evolved, probably like a lot of games out of a homebrew. But basically, uh, now is a complete rule system. It's it's totally unique. Um, so it's not based on another rule system. And the setting is really far in the future on purpose. So it is a kind of eclectic mix because it, it's. Uh, a, a setting where you don't have the most advanced technology, but there are these sort of ruins of advanced civilizations, alien and human out there. And so your job is to kind of salvage your, your, uh, yeah. So you, you, as a player, you're working for the company of, uh, the worshipful company of self leaders. It's very greedy. And they send you out on uh, ventures missions to get ancient technology, architect from advanced aliens civilizations, dead human civilizations, and they do not have your best interests in mind. So the heart of the game is what do you choose to do uh, about those jobs? And uh, what do you choose to do when you encounter, you know, other other people who have different ideas about uh, what you should be doing, about ancient technology, about the best way to live? Uh, and it allows for all kinds of levels of play because, you know, a lot of civilizations do not have advanced tech at this state for whatever mm -hmm. reason in time. Uh, but some of them, um, you know, there are aliens who, who are super, super advanced. So you can kind of spin it very, very sci-fi, very zany uh, science fantasy almost. And you can also play sort of um, more, more of a, almost a post-apocalyptic, uh, you know, going through the the ruins uh, sort of feel. I like, I, I like that idea. Like one of the things that John, one of the, one of the guys in my game group has talked about a, quite a few times and we've discussed is things like uh, dungeon crawls in space and things like that. Uh, is there anything along those lines in this? <laughs> yeah, that was that's kind of the original simplest pitch is uh, spaceships, hulks, dead spaceships are dungeons in space. So mm -hmm. you go out to them, you explore them, you come back. And that allows for a lot of those dynamics from the classic game. Uh, but this game also has that political element of the company is sending you to do it. And you might want to eventually sort of change the company or fight the company. I mean, it makes sense. I, the companies send you down in the mines all the time. And, you know, what are dungeons? But those. <laughs> exactly. Of... Yeah. These are like the technology mines. Yeah. Yeah. It, it works well. I like that. I appreciate that. So the what I've seen of the books, they, they look really nice. The the art, the design, the layout, it, it's really top notch. Thanks. Um, is that who's. Where's a lot of this coming from? Could you tell us who all's worked on this? Is this your art? Like, what am I looking at here? This is pretty good stuff. Oh, thanks. Uh, it's definitely not my art. Um, no, <laughs> I have to shout out, you know, the artist, the lead artist is Ethan Gould. We now have some freelancers um, because of the volume we want to do. It's mm -hmm. not all Ethan anymore, but everything that's published to date is Ethan. And most of the art in the core rule book, which is coming out, is Ethan. Uh, but there's there's now some other good freelancers like Amanda Lee Frank. Um, we worked with Hodag. We've worked with my partner's friend. Um, Ibrahim X. Uh, so there, there's some cool artists who've contributed a few pieces, but Ethan's really prolific and just an um, absolute creative, just monster. I mean, he just comes up with great ideas and really takes my little notes, you know, maybe an image that looks kind of like this and he runs with it. So that's that's all credit to him. And the design of the game, most of it, everything that's out so far in the whole rule book is Eric Lazar. He's a great designer. 
Um, absolutely amazing. Again, really creative guy, just comes up with visual systems. He loves icons, little ornamental flares and ways of saying, okay, every single time you mention X, I'll add this little graphical element. And people may not even notice that stuff, or I'll change the color of, you know, the, the, the little bar behind a header, you know what I mean? To have yeah. some different texture and it's stuff like that, that I wouldn't even think of, but it really ties the game together. And now we're working also with my partner, who's a also a designer. And, and so uh, her name's Sunari Paiwong. And so she's also great and brings, you know, she's an animator primarily. So she does stuff like 3D, you know, if we describe a diagram, she'll build it in a 3D model. And this is stuff, again, I never expected or could have even hoped for when I, I pitched some friends on, hey, would you be interested in working with me on, on my game? And they jumped right in and said, yeah, and had all these great visual ideas that, they, again, were just way beyond. I mean, what I was thinking was a lot sort of simpler, and, you know, <laughs> what I could do, right? It's like, ah, yeah. sketch a kind of blurry alien or something, <laughs> drop them in. I think one thing that a lot of people are interested in when it comes to these games is the game system itself. I'm curious to know about the mechanics and whatnot. Could you give us a quick rundown of how to play? Absolutely. So it's a unique system. Um, it's pretty simple. We think it's fun. We've played with a lot of people, new people, and you know, no one's really had any issues with it. It's your dice. Um, your scores are dice. So you have scores like combat, movement, reason, will, and charm, just those five. And there's lots of checks associated with those. So like in many games, you know, if you want to know something, you roll reason. If you want to perceive what someone else is doing or resist what they're doing to you, you roll will. If you're doing anything social, you roll charm. And those are just different dice. They could be a D6, a D8, a D10, or a D12. Um, so at character creation, you assign those four and another D6. So two of your scores are kind of average, D6. And then the other ones are more heroic because you you are, you know, trained expert in something. So a D12 is like effectively superhuman. I mean, you're really good at that one thing. Mm -hmm. And D10 is like a real expert. D8 is, you know, someone who's trained in something. And, you know, aliens could range and other sort of otherworldly beings might have really high scores. So a very, very advanced alien might have a D20 be very hard to hit, for example, in movement. They they have the ability to sort of blink around the room. Uh, but, you know, for the most part, people have D6s. Um, you know, let's say soldiers would have like D8s. So a lot of the time, if you're rolling against um, if you're like fighting, let's say you, you're just rolling. And, and if you initiate the action, if you attack, you're trying to, to hit, you want to get a higher roll and you win the tie. If you're trying to uh, dodge, then uh, the attacker gets the tie. So you you lose if you get a tie. Um, and that's pretty simple. Um, uncontested rolls, you beat a six or higher. So again, it's it's pretty hard to do if you have a D6, but you have a chance. And the other core mechanic of the game that makes it work really nicely, we think, is, is called grit. So you can burn uh, these grit points that you have. That's how you use all your, your special powers. Yeah. Uh, you can also burn them on rolls. So if you burn three, six, or nine grit, you get a plus three, a plus six, or a plus nine, which is huge Whoa. on your roll. But you still fail on a one. So there's this gambling sense <laughs> of like, hmm, how much of my limited grit pool? Let's say at first level, you have 20 grit. You know, if you burn nine grit, that's almost half your grit, right? But, you know, maybe worth it. You really want to do this thing, but you still could fail on a one. So it creates those epic moments like in other games of, let's say, you know, rolling a nat 20 in D&D, right? It's that feeling of everyone leans in and watches as you roll. So, yeah, we, we think it's it's a really um, fun way to not have to do a lot of math. Uh, the math's pretty simple and it, and it creates some big, you know, epic ranges. Um, but most of the rolling is, is more straightforward. You know, most of it's you're just trying to basically get around a six. Excellent. Excellent. So you said you've been working on this game for like 10 years. I, I'm a little curious. Uh, a lot of times we ask people about their gaming history and how they get into building games and whatnot. I'm, I'm curious 
where do you go from from what you're playing to where hey this is the game i want to make and you you spending 10 years developing this could you give us a little bit of that history and backstory yeah man um you know i, I grew up with second edition because my older brother introduced me to it that's what he was playing and call of cthulhu old chaosium oh, one yeah. and so I played, I didn't really, play, he told me about Call of Cthulhu and I remember as a little kid, I mean, he was six years older than me. Um, I have, I have three brothers. He's the one who's six years older. And I, and I was like, just wrapped, you know, thinking about this idea of like, you're investigating these godlike evil monsters, these aliens buried under ancient, you know, towns <laughs> or whatever. And you basically, you know, I said, well, how do you fight him? He said, you don't fight him. You run away from him or you come back with the FBI or dynamite or, you know what I mean? And that yeah. blew my mind. And I thought that's such a cool way to, cause I understood from D and D, okay, I can pretend to be a knight. And I always wanted as a little boy, right? Yeah, I'm going to be a knight and fight evil or whatever. And yeah. as I got older and played more you know, all D and D and I wanted to jam and build my own worlds. And I was not interested anymore in these kind of good, bad night dynamics, but more interested in sort of, um, in a way, science fantasy settings are just very capacious. You know, uh, I love Planescape and Dark oh, yeah. Sun and those settings where you go to these really wild other worlds. So I, I got really into that stuff. Um, stopped playing for a while after college, started playing again, Call of Cthulhu, uh, newer version and lots of lots of other games, OSR games. So just got really into that idea of, of writing your own games, using D20 systems as a base and hacking them up. And so long story short, experimented a lot as I was trying to develop this setting that I, I became more and more interested in, um, you know, and I'm really, uh, by my day job, you know, my main interest is is related to the environment and climate disruption. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to set this game really far in the future and allow it to be sort of more political and about the environment. Um, and this was set on Earth, but in the same setting that is now Stillfleet and had many of the core ideas. But the rules took a long time. And that was a lot of trial and error and just dissatisfaction with, with especially D20 systems. But in general, just feeling like I want to do something that I think works. And it had it really had nothing to do with any other particular game. It just was like, let me just keep throwing darts at the wall until I find a system that I really like GMing. <laughs> so, you know, after several years, I felt, feel like I found one. And, and then that sort of solidified, everything kind of solidified around that. Once you have the right mechanic, it's a lot easier to write all the powers and that stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. That that makes a lot of sense. So the setting, um, now that seems to be a big, a big piece of this, from what I understand. And you told us a little bit, how, how much more, how much in depth can you get into describing and telling and give us some idea of what we can expect for the setting that's inherent to the game itself? Yeah. I mean, how long do you have, you know, uh, you know <laughs> we got 15 um, minutes. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah man no no the the setting is a big part of it for this game but i will say the system we also have two different fantasy versions we're working on and a version set in 1666 that's all about sort of witches and um in indigeneity and, and i mean that's a totally different setting but uh uses the same system so the system and the setting are just two different things but for still fleet the main game that's what i've been working on the most that's what i play the most i gm the most so definitely can talk about that the setting is uh, meant to be very evocative and weird and specific in a way that allows you to just run with it. So I, I sort of don't like the idea of canon and having to really obey canon. I like the idea of throwing a out a lot of, you know, sharp, poetic, concise imagery and then letting players and GMs uh, run wild with their version. So the setting is you're on an alien space station that the humans and uh, waitins, these giant bug people that are pretty common too, they call spindle. And it looks like a sort of sea slug made of black stone floating in a void, sort of near a nebula, but sort of near nothing else. It's sort of just outside of, of stellar region, unknown place. Humans got there by using a stiffworks, this sort of time-space gate from Terra, from Earth, millions and millions of years in the future. Uh, and now it's inhabited for the last 300 years or so by this human-led company. And you are one of the many sapient 
aliens or humans who lives on this essentially alien space station that that produces atmosphere and pseudogravity for humans and waitons who happen to, to be able to breathe the same air. Uh, and then many of the other species are informatic. They're, they're sort of uh, robots of some kind. And so you're all there together. And, uh, you know, there, there's a history, there's sort of lore to, to the world at this point. But that's the major point is it's really um, a reflection about today. Like, what if you worked for a company? The, the what if is probably true for most of us. You do some kind of job. You don't love the job, but it's kind of all, you know, you're not sure you have a great other solution. Um, well, what would you do if you were like heroic, if you did have these really special skills and and existed in the science fictional setting where there are just really advanced aliens and tech and stuff? So it, it allows you to kind of start from almost a familiar dynamic of workplace kind of politics. And then you go out toward sort of epic plots. And there's there's plenty of, you know, just just sci fi subgenre stuff that, that I personally grew up with and that I've tried to figure out better and better ways to incorporate in games as a GM. So there are, you know, these extra dimensional beings that are just so vast and alien and different um you know they're, they're pretty much lovecraftian right they're they're the old ones or whatever yeah that's cool <laughs> and there, there's also you know there, there's ones that are closer to home there's sort of various um humanoid aliens who we the archive that the people for the company who sort of keepers of knowledge and tech they think these are all basically post-humans humans who over millions of years left terra evolved changed themselves you know and have maybe come back and interact in some way so there's a lot of sort of um aliens that draw on different sci-fi mythology in a way oh yeah but you know, it's very capacious. You can invent, you you make up your own stuff, you know, do do what you want. Go wild with it. Now, I, 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 am I getting the wrong impression? It seems almost like you're like, like was the spindle, right? This would call, was that what you called the station? Yeah, spindle. Yeah. So is that what I'm seeing on the front cover here of the quick start rules is a spindle? Absolutely. Yeah. That's spindle by Ethan Gould. That was really the first big piece of art that helped us, I think, solidify the three of us when it was just Eric, Ethan and myself three years ago or so say, okay, this is the game. This is the world. This is what we're going to focus okay. on. There's lots of other elements I've written about. I've written, I, I sort of brought them, you know, multiple books length Google docs, right? Yeah. So that was, that image was one of the first things that really solidified the game in its present state, because um, it allowed us to say, let's focus on the experience of the player who is a void miner. That's what we call player characters. Uh, and they're a void miner on Spindle, however they came there, whether they're born there or they, they just arrived. And that's going to be sort of the heart. That's where we're going to set the game and step the, the reader into the book. Like, you know, you're on Spindle. Here's what's happening. You make your character. And then GMs can get really into the setting stuff. And we have our second hardback. We'll, we'll come up next year, the Refactors Handbook. Oh, cool. And that's got tons and tons of settings, alien worlds, dead spaceships. But for this first book, we just wanted to make sure that it was really clear that there's this central conceit of this alien station that has these stiff works, these gates that connect to just lots and lots of Goldilocks worlds, dead worlds, um, dead ancient, you know, arc ships. And you can go explore them. Some of them the company's gone to before. They know where to go. They have tack maps. They kind of know how to get there. And some of them, um, you know, you're just jumping into the unknown. So it allows for GMs to kind of bring in any setting they like. And this, you know, this is not the first game to do that, right? But but I, yeah. I love that ability to sort of give GMs the, the power to go where they want, but also direct them and say, okay, here's some sort of some good uh, jumping off points. That's cool. I, I appreciate that. Now, am I, am I getting the wrong impression that the company is the company still fleet or is that is that what is that what it was? The company is the worshipful company of still fleeters. And okay. uh, yeah, it's just named. It's all all this kind of in, in game jargon just to give it this rich <laughs> sense of, of being lived in and being something that's been around 300 years. So they're meant to be like a basically they're pirates in a way. I mean, they're, they're ah. you know, similar to how the East India Company worked or something right there. There are a bunch of humans who decided, hey, we're going to go to some other place do some sort of unequal trades and then, you know, make, make money. And in this case, what they want really isn't money per se, as much as tech, they want to get the ancient tech for themselves. Yeah. So they keep finding groups of people in various planets who 
are not at a higher tech level and they trade, they get or they get food, whatever. Um, and they get to kind of control those trade agreements. And that's something that as a, as a player, you're supposed to be not necessarily comfortable with, right? And then as you go on and you maybe gain levels, you can do more about and push back against and change and try to even kind of subvert and destroy. So it's a little like, you know, Spire is another great game with a similar dynamic where the players start in a position of a kind of weakness, but they can maybe eventually do something to subvert sort of a bad political situation. Yeah. Now, I, I, the, the impression I'm getting when I'm picturing, like, I'm gonna, if I'm going to run this is like, I see the spindle might be like the company town and, and kind of the, the locations could be the, the mines are sending them down to like in deep Appalachia, we got all those coal mines. It's kind of the parallel I'm drawn that I would draw inspiration from to run it. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I love that. I love that so much. And I think you could, you could definitely do it more like a company town. You can do it more like kind of off the space severance, you know, like this white collar mm -hmm. bureaucracy that sort of doesn't even know, uh, like the movie Brazil by Terry Gilliam, you know, it, oh, Kafka, I love it. it doesn't even know what it's doing. It's just sending you on missions that because the the AI said, you know, oh, we think this planet has this thing. Go get it. Um, you can run it more as uh, we like to run a lot of games that are a little bit Cold War. So there's maybe, you know, other powers are resisting. There's the Socialist right. uh, Federation of Unhuman Kingdoms on Terrace. These sort of formed mutants have developed a sort of proto-Soviet kind of state. And they're beginning to have advanced space tech, too. They're beginning to explore the void. And so you keep running into them. So we've run all kind. We've had internal conflicts, kind of civil wars in the company where different parts of the company are much more sort of evil than others. And there are actors within the company who want to kind of liberalize the company, but they don't want to change it too much. So the PCs, again, you know, you're put in that position. What are you going to do? Um, and then some people run it just a straight up, you know, peaker-esque in space. You know, you go out, you kill monsters, you kill aliens, you get cool tech, explore stuff. Um, you can run it a lot of different ways. We're not, we're not telling people what to do. We're just giving you these tools. And, and we think it's a kind of nice way to start games. We're coming close to time. Could you tell the listeners it's it's uh, it recently crowdfunded and probably like where can they look it up? I think it's going to be on backer kit and stuff like that. Could you tell them where they can find it, and where they can pick it up and check it out? Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, we were on Kickstarter for the core rule book um, and a second venture also because we're masochists. So we did two books at once um, called The Rain Thieves. So that's a big setting and, and venture on a desert planet. It's all about ecological um, disruption and um, these intelligent spiders. Uh, and, and that's a really cool story, not by me, by my friend Aaron H. Uh, he's our web developer that did crowdfund. We're very thankful to everyone who, who backed us. We're really excited to be able to print the book, a hardback book. That's something that is kind of new to us. We've all done stuff like this but to have one big hardback book come out is just um it's a totally different set of challenges <laughs> and we, we're really confident that you know it's going to be look really good by the time this comes out you should be able to go on backer kit find you know the still fleet core world book just look up still fleet one word and you should be able to do some late pledges um if not check out our website um we'll try to you know provide all information about sort of how you can find books definitely the pdf will be out by the end of uh, 2022 um, so you'll be able to find that like on DTRPG, but you know, the hardback books, um, after the Kickstarter, you're probably going to have to find me at a convention next year. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, can you tell folks the, the website they can go to and where they can find you on social media so they can try to get onto that before, be before they can't. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're everywhere at Stillfleet, one word. So, um, pretty easy to find on Twitter. Uh, we have a discord. It's very active. Um, you can, you can find that link on our website, which is stillfleet.com. So yeah, not, not too hard to find. Excellent. Excellent. Well, it's been great talking to you. Thank you very much for coming on. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me, Logar. No, Love the podcast. 
Oh, thank you. Thank you. If you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, please give us a positive review wherever you're listening. You can find us on Facebook. Search Wobblies and Wizards. Wobbliesandwizards.com is our blog. I'm on Twitter at LogarHaleCrom. We're on Patreon. We can use any support that we can get. Patreon.com backslash Wobblies and Wizards. And as always, keep those dice rolling.